Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. And if that is too much for you to say, we have three simple statements. We live we love, we serve. Amen. Today, the word will be coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to be reading it in both um, the Message Bible version and the NRSV. It reads as such in the Message Bible. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then God told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the disability and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. In the NRSV, it reads, Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. God of strength, we are here once again. Those who love you, those who profess to follow you, those who love you, believe in you, and have faith but those who may also be tired and weary and at the brink of giving up. Be with us today, God. Let there be something in this sermon that reaches each and every one of us that pulls us a little bit away from the edge, God, that allows us to rest a little bit, that gives us some of the ease or comfort that we've been looking for, God. We trust you when we know that you will have your way, but we also know that that requires surrender. So in this moment, 
And really in this entire service, God, we continue to surrender to you. We love you and it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 I I don't know about you, <laughs> but I am tired. Anybody else tired? I, I'm not talking about like tired, like I need a rest or tired, like I need a vacation. You ever feel like your soul is tired? That is where I am at. And that is where so many of us are at this point in um in our lives and at this point in the year. And sometimes I just wish that growth came with a warning label. You know, those, uh, those pharmaceutical commercials for like Cialis or whatever you see on TV and there's gleefully running and frolicking through the park. And as they're doing this thing, you know, on behalf of the results that they're supposed to get from whatever is supposed to help them, there's that small fine print at the bottom in someone's voice that says, and this medication might cause you to lose a limb or to lose your big toe for your ear to fall off or even death. You know, and sometimes I wish that our growth came with that same type of warning. This part, this thing is going to cause surrender. This thing is going to take every part and piece of you. This thing is going to require you to die of self. This thing is going to require more than you ever expected. Sometimes I just wish that things came with a warning label because sometimes we make declarations and we say things and we don't really, I think, count the cost of what we are saying. And so at the beginning of this year, very excited and in a very beautiful video of virtual service, we all declared that we were resilient. And I'm standing before you on this third Sunday in September telling you, I am tired of being resilient. And I know that I am not the only one because I have had the conversations. We all have had, I don't want to see resilient on another sweatshirt, on a band. I don't want to talk about it in TNT. I don't want another sermon. I am tired of being resilient. And I hope that me standing up here admitting that releases you to be honest about that too. Because sometimes we think that we have to exude strength all the time. And it's not okay to just admit that we are tired or over a thing. But really, when Pastor Mike and God had this conversation about resilience, you know what? I'm going to put my bid in that next year our theme be something really easy, like I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart or something like that. Because living out resilience has been difficult. And it has required so much of us. We even even think about the definition of resilience. It's this ability to snap back, to spring back, to recover quickly. And you know how when you were like in your 20s and your body recovered quickly, but when you get, you know, 30 something, 40, 50, it don't recover. My soul is about 73 right now. And I am not popping back like I used to. And I know I'm not the only one because we are tired. Because sometimes what we don't recognize is when we make these declarations like I am resilient, it's not only a declaration, but it is also a promise. It's a declaration of something that is going to be future forward, like I will be resilient, but it promises that in this present life, we are going to be put into circumstances that cause us to be that thing. For there is no way for us to prove our resilience without being put in situations that make us prove our resilience. And so therefore, we are tired. 
And some of us ask for these things and we don't think about it. We say, God, we want more patience. And we don't recognize that means that every single person that's going to get on your nerve, your last nerve, your reserve nerve are going to come through. That circumstances and situations are going to come that test that thing. And so when we said, I am resilient, I don't know if we really knew what we were saying. And so how do you speak into that? How do you speak into tired souls? How do you look into the abyss of somebody's weariness and say something of value to them? And as I was thinking about my own weariness and I'm thinking about the collective fatigue that we are all experiencing, not just from the society, not just from a pandemic, but from what is going on in our lives, I was reminded of Paul and his letter to the church at Corinth. And here in this scripture, we meet a tired Paul, a depleted Paul, a Paul who speaks about having this thorn in his side, this thing that won't leave him, this thing that is plaguing him, this thing that is aching him, this thing that is with him. And we know that it is depleting him of joy. It is robbing him of the things that he needs to do. And it is stopping him from operating at capacity. And so, you know, they believe that, uh, they, scholars believe that what um, the thorn was a physical ailment or an illness. And maybe for you, that is the thing that is with you in this moment. But for some of us, it's not that. It may be a circumstance, a situation, an obstacle. And it is like that thing is just sitting with you on the darkest of nights. It is sitting across from you like a bully taunting you to give up and give in. And you are tired. And maybe you are like Paul where you keep asking God to remove it. Here is Paul here. This thing that is crippling his joy. This Paul who is starting churches and following God and to no avail, it doesn't matter because he still has this thorn, this situation, this obstacle. So I imagine that Paul, like many of us, was a little bit tired of enduring that thing, of having to sit with that day in and day out, of being exhausted by it. But you see in the beginning of verse eight that he's begging God to remove it. And he's saying three times I will ask God to remove it to no avail. But by chapter uh, uh, verse 10, he is now saying, I take joy in it. And I'm, I'm like, what happened between verse eight and 10? To have this jump from feeling like something is something that you want to be removed from you out of your life to getting to a place where you can almost relish in it and find a light in it. And what I noticed is that Paul changed his perspective. He changed his perspective and his relationship to the thing that was causing him to be tired, the thing that was making his resilience go on low, the thing that was emptying and depleting him. And I love this. Um, I love the way this is uh, labeled because it says in the verse, it says that, um, God says, my grace is enough. It's all you need. And it says, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. And when you think about something coming into its own, you think about something that's maturing, something that is fully there. You ever see someone, you're like, man, they just come into their own. They're fully who they are. They're fully being who they're supposed to be. And so the notion that God has to come into God's own 
within us suggests that there is a way that only God, that God can move that requires something of us. It requires us to surrender, to surrender. Because the only way for God's strength to come into its own is for us to be able to admit that we are weak. And we are honestly living in a society that does not acknowledge or celebrate those things that are weak. We talk about being strong, strong, independent. I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need any help. So the notion that we would have to admit weakness in order for God's strength to come in might be a little foreign to us because we don't do that anywhere else in our lives. We want to be in control. Control makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel like we have some idea and some hand about what's going on. But really, the require for God's strength to come in in the ways that we want is for us to admit that we're weak. And the ways in which we admit we are weak is by surrendering. Surrendering our outcome. Surrendering how we think things should happen. See, you see here that Paul continues to pray for God to remove this thing. And so you see here a Paul who has a particular outcome that he wants. He wants God to remove the thing. He figures, God, you gave this to me. And so here, you can take it away. And in Paul's mind, that is the only outcome. And as long as Paul could only look at the situation and the only outcome and the only thing that the only solution was for the thorn to be removed, Paul was walking around miserable. But as soon as he was able to accept that God said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. Then Paul could see some other possibilities that showed him how he could not, he could live with this thing. Because if you go on and read, it never says that this thing ever leaves Paul. It never leaves Paul. But Paul somehow figures out a way to not only endure whatever that thorn is, but to also take joy in it. And not just joy in that but in the abuse, accidents, opposition, and bad breaks. And I'm not here suggesting that we should be happy about the circumstances that are happening in our lives. I am saying that we have to get to a place where we are willing to be weak so that God's strength can move in on us. It says that God, my uh, power is made perfect in weakness. My strength comes into its own. When you are weak, and there are several types of powers in the Bible, but this power that is here, that this translates to is dunamis power. And so dunamis power is a power that is already inherent and already resides in the thing by virtue of that. That means that the power is already on the inside of us. It is not something that God is bringing to the table. It is that something that we allow God to activate in us. And the only way that happens is that when we are at our lowest of low. Because sometimes it's only when you get to the bottom that you really surrender. You ever been to just at the bottom of something? At every other point, you are trying to figure it out. You're trying to control everything. You're trying to find every solution. You got plan A through Z. But when you get to Z and there is nothing, when the thing is still there, When you still can't figure it out, when you're still in pain, when you're still hurting, then at that point, that is often the point when we're finally like, okay, okay, God, because there's nothing else. I've I've depleted all of my plans and my things. We don't do that at A. 
We do that after we have worked out everything and figured out it wasn't going to work out for ourselves. But it is at that point, really, when God's strength is able to come in because it's a power that has to be worked out. It's not an external push. It's an internal pressing, but it doesn't move past our capacity. Whatever capacity we are at, that is how the strength is able to come in. And I was thinking about this. And I didn't come to a super happy conclusion because the reality of that meant that the only way for me to expand my capacity to be more resilient or to endure more is to endure more. Which is not relieving for us who want things to be taken away. The notion that the only way we expand capacity is by our ability to want to do more. And it may not be what we want to hear, but it's honest. It's honest. And so I was thinking about this thing that it says, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. And I think that sometimes in our Christianese and how we do things, we do not let words fully live out their power and we limit it. So we have a way that we talk about grace and grace and mercy. And it came and sat at your door, you know, at your bedside and we woke up with grace and mercy. And there's a particular way that we understand grace. But grace here is actually a grace that affords joy, pleasure and delight. It means that when God is saying, my grace is enough, it means that there is something in it that makes it sufficient that in the midst of the situation, there is joy that can be found. There is pleasure that can be found. There is delight that can be found. And not in the thing, right? But we all have to be able to, and Pastor Mike preached about a few weeks ago, we have to be able to honor the mountains and the valleys, and some of us, we only want mountaintop experiences, mountaintop after mountaintop and mountaintop. But it's really the valley experiences that make you appreciate the mountaintop. And so really, it's our ability in whatever situation, when we feel like we're tired, when we feel like we're on E, to find those small moments of joy and pleasure and delight. That is the grace that God is offering us. And you know, I had that. And I still didn't feel better. And so I began to ask, you know, God to make this real for me. Help me understand this because I'm, I'm hearing all this, but I'm still tired. And I still don't have a solution for not feeling like I'm on empty. And I'm going to have to keep being on empty. And so um, I am now um, an avid worker outer. That's not the correct word, but I work out pretty regularly, pretty much every day. And I was getting frustrated because I was working out every day. Like I, I don't drink Pepsi every day. I changed all these things, but I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted to see. So, I, you know, I, I had the inches I wanted to lose. I had the pounds that I wanted to be. And I was so frustrated because every week I was like, what? I could still be eating all the cheeseburgers and doing all the things if I was just going to be the same way. Like this is whack. Like I'm not with this. And so I was frustrated and I was almost like, I, you know, I, I wasted money on this refurbished Peloton because nothing is happening. And then the other day I was doing a strength workout 
And it was some move. I don't know what it was called, the candlestick or something. Maybe I was doing Pilates or yoga. I don't know. It was, it was some move that I did. And I did that move with so much ease. It still hurt, but I did it with ease. And in that moment, I had an aha moment because all along I had been focusing on the results. But in that moment, I realized how strong I was. And for some of us, and I think that is what Paul did here, was that Paul no longer focused on the results. God, Paul no longer focused on this thing being removed, this thing being taken away, but he noticed that there was a strength that he had to endure. Some of us, if we look at our lives and we look at the circumstances that we've been through, the thing that would have taken us out last year, it's not that it ain't painful this year, but it didn't take us out. And sometimes we don't focus on the strength that we have, how we've gotten better, how our capacity has expanded because we're so busy wanting the thing to be gone, out of the way, removed, and we're not focusing on how much strong. Do you know how strong you are? Do you understand that coming out of this year of resilience, because Lord, we still got October, November, and December to be resilient, how much stronger you are going to be. It doesn't mean that the pain isn't there, but it means that even in those moments, you can relish in those small things that give you delight. Uh, um, and when you work out, because these are just going to be my analogies all about working out because that's how God gave it to me. So y'all going to get all of these, uh, all of these analogies. But um, when you're working out and you're doing strength t- training, they have these things called... Um, you know, every imams, like every minute on the minute. So you're doing an exercise every minute on the minute and the faster that you can get through them, then the more time you have to rest. And boy, when that little rest comes, you're like, yes, Lord, ooh, let me get some water. You are like, whoo, I know I'm gonna have to go back into this thing, but for this moment, I get this reprieve. I get this rest. And that is really like how life is for some of us right now. When you're in the place of being on empty, when your resilience is low, it's not that you know when the thing is gonna go away. Sometimes we don't know if the thing is going away, but it means that we can find those moments when we're like, okay, okay, (laughs) I'm gonna have to go back in there. But right now I got this breath. Right here, my lungs are working. Right now, my heart beats up, but I can go back in this thing and I'm going to be stronger. And that is really how we press when we're on empty. Because the reality is, what is the alternative? What, when you're on E, what is the alternative? To figure out a way to press through or to stay where you are. But we can all admit that staying where we are kind of sucks. So if it's going to be awful, if it's going to be hard, then we might as well press our way to the other side of it. And we do that by focusing not on what the results, not what's on coming, but on our strength. Because our strength is always going to outweigh. It will all, especially when that strength is not just the strength that we have and have to activate on our own, but it is one that God is working in tandem with us. You're able to press on empty by expecting pain. Some of the situations that we face in our lives, some of our frustration comes from the fact that we have misaligned expectations. It's like, you know, your friend is always 30 minutes late all the time. Why do you even bother to get annoyed about that? 
And that's a small example, but there's a way in which at some point you expect the person to be late. And so you don't get bothered by that. Man, you change the time. So you change, let me, let me, let me move up this time a little bit or move this time back. So they'll be here in time. But you begin to adjust understanding the expectations. And so when we come into things expecting that there is going to be pain, then we can change our, um, our, we can change our perspective on it and how we deal with it. I don't ever go into working out and think it's not going to hurt. It hurts. Does it ever stop hurting? I don't think it ever stops hurting. It hurts every time, but I go in with that expectation. And so that doesn't overtake me because I understand the larger thing about it. When you're understanding and you're believing for something in the future. The other way we press on empty is through breathing. It sounds small. It sounds minute. We, we practice contemplative moments all the time here at the beginning of, uh, the beginning of service. But really sometimes that breath is really that moment to stop. It's that acknowledgement. It's that moment where God might be able to come in. It's that breathing. Uh, if, if you're working out or if you try to work out or you try to do a stretch, you notice that the more you breathe, the more you're able to ease into it. And I didn't notice that before because I'd be doing things and I'd be like, mm, holding my breath. And I'm like, this is so hard. But when I just breathe and settled, then there was a way in which I could endure the pain differently. And for some of us, we need to just take a minute and breathe. Because in that breath is surrender. In that breath, we're saying, okay, God, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I hoped for. This is not the outcome I wanted. But okay, I surrender to that. And then we focus on what we can control. It's not that our situations aren't daunting or difficult, but we multiply that by all of these other things that we add into it. We are worried not only about what we can control, but about what the other person's going to do. We're thinking about what's happening right now, but we're also worrying about what's going to happen in the future, how this is going to work out, what scenario, if I do this, then what does this mean? All these other things, and those are things that are really out of our control. And if we could learn to just deal with and focus on what is in our purview, what is in our control, we would be so much better off. And again, none of this means that anything is going to go away sooner. I really wish that I could stand here and give you a time three months from now, two months from now, one week from now. But for some of us, it will be a lifelong journey with a thing. And so the only thing that we can do is learn how we endure it, how to find those moments, how to press through. And not only that, to delight. Well, not delight. It says, I take limitations in stride. That is what Paul says. And with good cheer, the things that cut me down to size, to size I take them in stride because the weaker I get, the stronger I become. 
There's a moment where you just feel like you can't go any further. You can't press anymore. You can't do another thing. You can't pray another prayer. You can't ask God for another thing. You can't cry another tear. You get to a point where you are there. And if you can rise out of that, then baby, you are like a phoenix that arise from the ashes. Um, I love this quote by Elizabeth Gilbert. She is the person who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she says, the person you think you are can't handle life, but the person you actually are can. And sometimes we're so busy telling ourselves we can't make it, we can't do it, we can't press through, it's not enough, it's not good enough, that we forget that really who we are can endure it. And that's why I love the words of the song that Tamish and the worship team sing, the story I'll tell. And as they make their way up here, I just want you to listen to a few of these lines. They're going to sing it, but I want you to hear it with no music. It says, the hour is dark and it's hard to see. What you are doing here in the ruins, the ruins of our lives, the ruins of our situation, the ruins of this thorn. It's hard to see what you're doing and where this will lead. Oh, but I know that down through the years, I'll look on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here. And I'll testify of the battles you've won, but really the battles we've won how you were my portion when there wasn't enough because that is where God's strength is made perfect in your weak, your weakness. And I'll testify of the seas that we've crossed, the waters you parted, the ways that I've walked, singing, oh, 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 my God did not fail. Oh, 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 it is the story that I will tell. There's a story that we get to tell about our circumstances, our situations. We have a choice in the narrative that we put forth, not only in our minds, but out into the environment, out into the atmosphere. And so in this case, it is okay to say, I am weak. Because in that moment of surrender, God can begin to work some things. That strength and that power can come in and it can rise up like never before. And then you will see how strong you are because you will never know how strong you are until you have to pull yourself out of the ruins. The hour is dark. It's hard to see what you are doing here in the ruins where this will be oh but I know that down through the years I look on this moment and see your hand on and know you were here I'll testify of the battles you won. You were my portion when there wasn't enough. Yes, I will. And I'll testify of the seas 
that the words sometimes that we need to hear are not the words that we want to hear, but that they are necessary for our growth. I don't know how long the situations may last for those individuals who are underneath the sound of my voice. I don't know how long it's going to be for you, but God, we thank you that we are stronger than we think we are. And we're stronger because we are able to admit that we are weak. We're stronger because we are able to surrender. So right now in this moment, God, for some of us, we may need to surrender the outcome that we thought that we would have. We may need to surrender the fact that we thought that this thing would leave us and it is still with us. We may need to surrender our timetable, what we thought was going to occur, how it was going to occur, God. But we say, okay. In this moment, we completely surrender because we want that power to show up on the inside of each and every one of us. We want to know and see that strength rise up. We want to know that we can endure. We want to expand our capacity, God. And so we thank you that you are a God that never leaves us nor forsakes us, but that you are a co-creator with us and you journey with us in this life. I am still playing for the replenishment of those who may feel on empty, God. Reveal to each and every one of us how we can begin to fill our cup and fill our portion. Not with what we think it should be filled up with, God, but what is going to be need to sustain us for the journeys that we are on. We love you, God. We are grateful. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, family. Um, there is no sermon talk back, uh, but we are excited that this upcoming Tuesday, we will begin TNT again. So we look forward to you joining us. We are going to be going through the book of John um, for the next eight weeks. So we are excited that you're going, going to be joining us for that. Please continue to keep Pastor Mike in your prayers as you recover. And we look forward to worshiping with you in person next Sunday. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.